because, because I'm a hot I'm girl. A hot, I'm a hot, I do hot shit. Because I'm a hot hot girl agenda the only podcast on the left that asks okay which one of you is the netball (laughs) (laughs) uh i am one of your lovely co-hosts yesi and with me is the brilliant and powerful rara hello 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 yeah yeah um, it's been a minute. Oh my goodness! It's been a minute. It has been a minute. Yes. Oh my um, god. For legitimate reasons too. Um, we- yeah, it's been a minute, and I, we can talk about it a little bit later in the episode, maybe in our hot girl recap mm. or whatever. But for all intents and purposes, this will be our last episode we record for a couple months yeah. at least, and it's very bittersweet. We're going on very sabbatical. Sad. We are. We are taking a little break. Um, you know we love to provide the you know acerbic wit and and excellent content you crave, but um, Rara and I are both mad busy, and we gotta we gotta focus we gotta focus on the grind set um, hustler <laughs> uh, alpha alpha fem. We're 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 taking over the business right. IG uh, market. Yeah, girl boss, boss parent. Yeah, uh, boss auntie. Squirrel boss. Uh. <laughs> Duck boss. Cake boss, we're doing it all. Is it cake? We'll never know. There's a show about it, apparently. I, oh my god. So I was scrolling through Instagram. Sorry, I'm just gonna say this really quick because it fucked me Please up. Do. I, I, I was scrolling through Instagram and I haven't seen a is it cake thing in like a while, in like a good like six months. And I saw this like cute little turtle and I was like, look at this cute little turtle. And suddenly a knife came down on it and I oh was my just god. like, oh fuck this. And it was cake, of course. And I was just like, this is evil why did yeah people, why why this is evil yeah someone pointed out that the is it cake show on netflix is basically like a 30 rock bit <laughs> and it's like that's so fucking true because like i did watch like one episode of that show and i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen i feel like you could Just totally nonsensical i feel like you could throw like is it cake into the mix with like do you remember those TikTok videos where the like pretty kind of low key milfy moms were were basically making quote unquote food hacks on their granite countertops? Like yes, okay, yeah. So so I feel like is it cake plus those videos plus like the the next progression of that, which was those same moms making Sundays in their toilet bowls. <laughs> like I feel like all of that stuff is like non horny things that are actually horny. It's funny because I would have gone in the in the opposite direction. Maybe like the parallel of that, which is like instead of body horror, it's food horror. Ooh. You know, yeah, like gastro horror. Gastro horror. That makes sense too. Um, I'm just like naturally horny, so I went there. But like, I think you're right. Right. Like, I think you're. I'm right. naturally horrified at everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's my default state these days. It's just like, it's like, <laughs> you, yeah, Chris, no. All right. Oh my goodness. Speaking of you, um, let's before we dive in, let's talk about let's talk about the netball because that is yeah. a very deep Bridgerton lore that we're into there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you want to call it that? Right. So so um, yeah, this will be a, a Bridgerton episode in case you haven't figured that out yet from our discussion of food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we'll go over the last episode and and talk about some secrets, which is the netball. So what's the netball? 
so you know when you're watching like a sex scene and you're like, wow, how are they making this sex look like like a softcore porn, yeah. basically? Because it looks like they could be really like bumping uglies, mm-hmm. right? And I love the term bumping uglies, by the way, for <laughs> sex. Just, again, I'm horrified is my state of being. So, um, so in order to like make sex scenes that are not like hella awkward and like borderline illegal for the actors to do, um, illegal in some states for the actors to do. Um, they have this deflated sports ball. And what the fuck is a netball? Is that a volleyball? Yeah, so it's like it's like a British, European uh, version of, like a variation of a volleyball. Um, it's I think it's like slightly smaller and it's sewn differently. But yeah, it's basically a volleyball. <laughs> okay, so because I, I was reading that, I was like, is this a British term for the same thing that I'm thinking? <laughs> and it was. Um, yeah, so the netball is placed like a cup kind of action over <laughs> genitals to like avoid penetration and avoid the, the other actor feeling that person's boner on them, <laughs> which is very clever. And uh, kudos to everyone that has to do that because I, filming sex scenes is like so awkward to think about, especially because when you think about these actors aren't together in real life. So it's like, and some of them are like in relationships and married. So yeah. it's like, how hard is your... <laughs> How hard. Yeah, did not mean to go there. But uh, yeah, like how difficult is your job if you're just like, I'm supposed to be fake boning someone that I is not my romantic partner. So that's very interesting tidbit. I thought it was. Uh, so here's some things I was thinking about when I found out about that, Rara, is like the sound. Like, is it making mm. just like a. Yeah. Because the ball is like deflated and it's just like. You know, squishy. Oh, I imagine. I imagine that that must be like the boom is like up towards their heads, right, uh-huh. and then not really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how the audio works for that, but I imagine it must be pretty difficult because yeah, there's a lot of like garments moving mm-hmm. and stuff, and just shifting of and and air pockets. Hey, if you're an actor and you've had to experience this on screen, uh, give us a shout out. Uh, we'll do a little segment about it. Yeah. You can talk about your experiences with the netball. The netball. That's that's brilliant. Um, all right. Without further ado, let's hit it. The final episode of Bridgerton. That's that's where I'm going to put the um, public domain music. Yes. For the intro. <laughs> Hell Yeah. So where we left off, and this was some time ago, but if you're listening to this, you'll probably, you know, be right right there with us. So where we left off in Bridgerton, season one, episode seven, um, it kind of just picks up right from there. Mm-hmm. So Simon and Daphne are definitely still not okay. Mm. Um, they're getting their portrait done and they're kind of talking through this whole portrait session with, um, is it Lord Grant, Granbury? What the hell is his name? Uh, the only gay character, the only out gay character, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the painter guy. Um, and they're getting their portrait done and they're like, and Simon's like, yeah, I'm going to leave after this whole season is over because I'm just, I can't be around you anymore, basically. And so... And he doesn't want to be tempted, mm-hmm. right, with uh, having a, an accidental love child. What else is happening? Well, so um, even as they are, even as they are um, really fraught in their relationship, um, uh, Simon and Daphne are, are recognizing that they still really have feelings for each other. So, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move through uh, the rest of the the ton, um, we've got the Featheringtons. 
Marina has recovered from her her abortion tea fiasco. Right. She she tried to do a quickie borscht and it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quickie borscht. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This, so this whole thing, she she's no longer pregnant. Oh, presumably. right. It did. It, it did it, yeah. She presumes it did work. Let's record that again because right. I, I fucked that up. Uh. <laughs> so, OK. So we move on to the Featheringtons. Marina, as you'll recall, took this tea. Uh, we'll call it her quickie borscht. She... Uh, <laughs> She faints and falls and has to be has to be put in bed, but she doesn't feel the baby anymore. She doesn't feel the fetus anymore. And so yep. she thinks like, I fucking did it. I DIY'd it and I got rid of uh, the fetus so I'm no longer pregnant. Yeah. Meanwhile, the rest of the Featheringtons, uh, Lord Featherington has uh, made a back deal on a boxing match and he is successful on that back deal. And so he... Yeah, right? Like, he bets high. Yeah, and- yeah. Yeah, so to, so to back things up a little yeah. bit with this, like, whole Lord Featherington boxer will dynamic. So if you'll remember in the previous, I think it was a previous episode, mm-hmm. Lord Featherington, who is in dire financial straits, he's, like, ready to place, like, one more gigantic bet. But it's to be against boxer Will, Simon's BFF. Mm-hmm. And Will is, like, struggling, basically, in this and this and the previous episode of, like, should I throw this match and secure basically a very comfortable life for my family, my whole family? Um, or should I like keep my honor basically? So we find out that in this boxing match scene, there's a lot going on in this boxing match match scene, a lot implied in this, but basically Will Mondrick, which is the boxer's name, mm-hmm. he does end up throwing the match and securing the fortune. And Simon sees all this and is in the audience and he goes and chats with Will and he's like, um, what about your honor, dude? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you needed money, you could have just borrowed it or whatever. And I just want to get your take on this because I feel like we're about to have the same opinion on this. At one point in talking to Simon, Will goes, what can be more honorable than providing for one's family? That really got me thinking about like the class implications Mm -hmm. of what it means to have honor and like who honor is accessible to in this stratified society. Totally. Um, I was really and it's also like, okay, so Simon has the like privilege, the uh, Duke of Hastings has the privilege, luxury and, and wealth to basically wallow in his own self-pity. Mm-hmm. He he can choose to marry the Duchess, um, to marry Daphne, to put her up and just like dip, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was it's always been really frustrating to me throughout the series to see the cavalier attitude he has towards Will. He leans on Will a lot. He's constantly like using Will as emotional and physical support. Like, you know, like if he wants to like box, Mm -hmm. like whenever he wants, if he needs like someone to be his second in a fucking duel kind of thing. Like he is he's constantly leaning on this man. Right. Yet he won't like fund his matches. He won't use that fortune to like help Will not even help Will, but like invest in his friend. Right. And I think right. it's really um, it's really condescending for Simon to like challenge Will in making a decision to secure his future for, and the future mm-hmm. of his family based on this like con- uh, concept of honor. Because when you think about it, like if we're talking about honor as sticking to your principles or being consistent mm-hmm. with like 
like social mores and values that your community holds like right. simon doesn't do that oh hell no you know no, no he's like he's always he's boozing and um going to sex workers all the time mm-hmm. and like refusing his duties as duke mm-hmm. of his own freaking county and shit mm-hmm. and it's like yeah simon you're not like simon and antony have kind of like a very similar dynamic yeah. which i feel like will is shut out of because of his like rank in the society mm-hmm. and that like they can choose to like on the surface level be like oh my honor my family da 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 but it's like it's all like words because and it's all just surface level whereas will is truly an honorable person mm-hmm. like to be to like even hesitate when someone's offering you basically like a way out of poverty for him to actually hesitate and be like oh my god like no, I actually really have to think about this because, like, it is, like, my pride and honor. Right. That is, like, how I define myself. But Will finds a deeper meaning in his family than he does in pride or honor. And that's why I, like, respect the choice. Totally. But, yeah, but it really does prove that honor in this society is really, like, if you're wealthy, you never have to choose between reputation and survival. And like, that's like kind of why I'm like team will all the team will cheating all the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck these rich motherfuckers. Like, fuck them. Like they didn't have to fucking earn it. Right. Totally. And it's just like, it's also just, you know, fuck, like he's got a lot of really cool plans and and he should have the funding for that. So like, just, just let him, just let him do it. Like, what does it cost you to like support your friend? Fucking nothing, man. Fucking nothing. Um, But anyway, so that happens. And more happens at this boxing match with some other folks, but we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of cuts to uh, another plot point in this in this episode is we're tying up the Daphne and Simon thing, obviously. It's taking a lot longer for some reason. Like, I think this episode could have been a little bit shorter Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of back and forth between Daphne and Simon, like, reconciling with their positions on things. Right. Um, But Daphne kind of does some snooping and uh, goes into Simon's father's study and, like, goes through his desk and sees all the letters that Simon sent his father Mm. that went completely unreplied to. Right. And Lady Lady Danbury walks in on her doing this and is like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Like, And then, of of course, provides the context we need, which we already know about, but Daphne doesn't. Right. And is like, oh, yeah, like, this is why he is the way he is. And it's because he had this speech impediment when he was younger and mm-hmm. he was completely rejected by his father. Right. And so you can start seeing Daphne being like, OK, I need to have a different approach about this. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like really kind of her character development. Right. It's the, kind of the same thing we saw with Marina is being like more understanding. Right. And more just careful. And, I, I you know, I think I think we see that. Uh, that progression quite a bit you know when she um like the grace that she's that she's offered others um the like assertiveness that she's come into her own um you know Mm -hmm. we can go back to the episode where um you know she challenges Cressida and is like don't don't fuck with me now that I'm a yeah now that I'm a duchess um I think those two things are like two parallels right like she's both becoming more assertive and and owning her power but also wielding that in a very compassionate way Right, yeah. Let's see what else is happening. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about Eloise. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're continuing this journey of Eloise, you know, basically being convinced that Madame Delacroix 
is is that her name? Yeah, Del- that's her Delacroix. name. Yeah. Delacroix. Madame Delacroix is actually Lady Whistledown. So she tries to warn Benedict, like, hey, you know, you might want to be careful about your new friend here. Mm-hmm. And he's just like thinking that she's being like a hypocrite and being judgmental or whatever. But it's like she can't just come out and say this is Lady Whistledown because mm-hmm. she's not exactly like 100% yet, right? So Eloise is like convinced, like she's going to she's going to find the modiste like in the in the act right and like Mm -hmm. talk to her and like and like finally like know for sure and we kind of like will come back to that later because later on guess what spoiler we do find out who lady whistledown is at the end of this episode it's amazing Um, i know very good reveal i did i did not expect it yeah neither did i i was like what what a twist what a twist indeed but Let's go back to Marina because Marina's drama in this whole thing, she got like kind of sidelined a lot plot wise because after this whole fiasco. So she's, you know, she's drinking her, um, what do we call it? Quickie uh, borscht tea. Quickie borscht tea. <laughs> Quickie borscht tea. She thinks she's abor- like her child is aborted. But also Lady, uh, Lady Featherington gets a call at the house and it's from somebody named Lord Crane. And and we're like, oh, my God, are we about to meet Marina's lover? Mm-hmm. And then he rolls up and it's like so fucked up because she's like expecting her lover, yeah. George, I think. Yeah, George. And then it turns out it turns out to be his brother who is like, yeah, I just want to bring the news that my bro is dead, mm-hmm. has been for a minute, um, but he's like really loved you or whatever. And Marina is just like totally traumatized and just totally heartbroken because now she literally has no like no hope in her life yeah she's she's done she's out she has no connection to her lover anymore because she thinks that she has had an abortion right so she's just completely devastated and even though lord crane offers to marry her she's like you know what i'm done living a lie i'm done like doing things for other people Mm -hmm. like i don't have to have this obligation anymore and i just don't fucking care right Further along in the episode, we find out, oh, shit, uh, Marina's still pregnant. Mm-hmm. It did not work. The The borscht tea did not work. The quickie borscht tea did not work. And so now she's like, oh, shit, I actually have to make a very important decision in my life. And she actually decides to marry Lord Crane and have some semblance of a normal, somewhat happy life for her and her child. Right. And that is like the end of her storyline for now. Marina's storyline for me like references or like feels like a a riff on a lot of uh, Shakespearean tragedies like Mm -hmm. you know she shows up in this space and 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 at the outset she's like really positive and hopeful and you know without without moralizing too much quote-unquote good like she's kind and she's Mm -hmm. loving and then she's you know as as the the situation becomes more dire she makes really bad choices Um, And then she kind of has to pay for them, you know, cosmically speaking, you know, and that sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, she was super shady when it came to um, trying to marry um, uh, Colin Bridgerton and and, and she hurt Penelope and, you know, Penelope Featherington. And, you know, and then in her desperation, she like hurt herself. And in the end, it it kind of didn't matter, you know, And, and, and so I feel like that is very much a parallel to the like Shakespearean tragedy. 
Yeah, yeah. She, it, it's weird just like how unevenly the punishment yeah. it like falls on people in this show. Right. And it's like, so far we haven't seen anyone be irreparably harmed mm-hmm. uh, by their actions except for like Lord Featherington right. and well, Marina. Right. I think that, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, and Lord Featherington is an asshole. But Marina is like literally just a person that was put in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. And in that difficult situation, she could have gone a bunch of different ways and she kept choosing worse and worse decisions for herself. And just out of like desperation, like you said, desperation and fear, Mm -hmm. um, but also social pressure to fit it, you know, like, and this is like a woman that it was closer to Eloise than she was to someone like Daphne, Mm -hmm. you know, and just how she moved in the world. And she didn't really make any friends other than Penelope. Like nobody was really like gave a shit about her and she didn't really give a shit about anyone. So she was very like self-isolating in that whole in the whole series but it's it yeah it's really sad but it, we get somewhat of a happy resolution because it's like okay this is she isn't going to have a fairy tale ending but she is going to have a decent life right and so like at this point it's like all we can hope for for the character because otherwise it's just it's all bad um, yeah 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 but poor marina but she does make an uh, appearance in season two by the way if you haven't started watching i haven't it. started it yet um i am very excited to start it it's good, Yessi. It's very good. Ah! Um, it's quite. It 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 is a lot more withholding with the gratuitous sex scenes, and which is which is a good thing. It actually works in their favor, so it's not as softcore porny in the second season. Good deal. Um, which I'm not complaining about. Like I'm not complaining about the softcore parts, but you know. Yeah. But anyway, so let's let's pivot to another kind of like B storyline between Antony and Sienna, mm. who are back on their bullshit. Yeah. Typical and fuck at this boy point, behavior I'm like, from Antony. But also from her a little bit. Like, because she's like at the boxing match with her new dude yeah. right next to him, giving like fuck me eyes to Anthony. That's true. And they're like, and then they start fucking under the bleachers. That and it's chaotic. like chaotic. I was like, oh my that God. Was nasty, gross. What are you but doing? Like, your date is right. Like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Like, don't do but that. But also, yeah, that was like a fuck. That was a fuck girl move on her part. For honestly, sure. For to be sure. like, I am literally gonna go hook up with this other guy while I'm on a date with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> right under him, I, literally under his nose in the bleachers. Get it together, girl. Like, make your make up your fucking mind here. Yeah. You know, which which she does. Like, so to like power through this whole storyline because at this point I'm sick of it. I'm like done. Me too. I'm, I'm just like get out of here, both of you. Like, stop with this nonsense. Um. So. They end up hooking up and then they hook up later after that. And Anthony is like, I know a lot of made a lot of mistakes in the past, but I'm like, I want to invite you to this ball. I want you to step out as my girl, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm getting serious about you because like I love you. And she initially agrees to it, but the night of the ball, he comes with like flowers and everything. And guess who's at his fucking guess who's at her house is the guy she was at the boxing match with. This was like a really interesting moment too for her character because it's like this is not someone that was gonna give up her autonomy right. to for a title or for money and I again totally fucking respect that mm-hmm. either way mm-hmm. but she like totally calls Anthony out and is like I don't know if you really like like you haven't thought about this for me you're only thinking about you really and you are so lost and confused in your life that you're just going to drag me down with your confusion right. because you don't actually know what you want. And she was like, yeah, and I can't I can't ignore the reality that the way they're going to treat me is different from how they're going to treat you. Totally. And it's like so on the nose. And it's like Anthony 
to be fair, like, takes it all in stride, mm-hmm. but is, like, obviously just totally devastated right. in this moment and just, like, ends up leaving. I think it's also, like, a really good... This episode has a lot of really good through lines for class, and that's something, like, mm. you know, we've talked about before, like, it's weird that the Bridgerton world doesn't acknowledge... It doesn't acknowledge race really at all, except for that one right. one incident where Lady Danbury is talking <laughs> about like we're we're equal now. Surprise! Like right, there's no racism. Right. Um, thanks to the Queen. <laughs> but it deals with class in this really funky way where it's just like, oh, well, everybody's mm. kind of friends except for the maids, but you don't really see them anyway. And then the one time right. we interact with them with Eloise and the and the the head of the household, it's like, you know, that's when we hear like, oh, they're too busy, you know? Right, right. So 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 the through line with like Will and uh Simon and then um Sienna and Anthony, like this through line of like my class station puts me in a position where I have to make choices that you just don't have to make, I think is like really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is a departure from like it is a parallel to like Will mm-hmm. and that Will is leaning into this is like, no, like money will solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm gonna take it. Whereas with Sienna, like she's a very accomplished woman on her own, mm-hmm. like for a woman of, of her day. Right. And so and but she realizes the reality that a title and money is not going to solve all of her problems and it certainly won't solve Antony's problems of you know being just basically like a man child Mm -hmm. um and i think she sees that and i think it's like something that's like repulses her about him that he that he can just basically decide her fate Mm -hmm. and i think that's also like because yeah because like when a guy it's like a fucking strip club customer coming in and being like oh i I got you like i can provide for you i can like i can show you all this world of opportunities and da 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 and it's like yeah, that's true, but, like, why would I want to do that with you? Right. Like, someone who, like, why would I want to do that with someone c- who controls me, basically? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I think her her and Will's storylines are very powerful in that sense because mm-hmm. it's, like, working class people, like, literally not apologizing for the shit they have to mm-hmm. do. And it's also cutting through the bullshit. It's, like, you know, Antony's like, oh, I'll just bring you into society. It'll be fine. And it's, like, no, yeah. it won't. It's like, you're not thinking, yeah. bro. Like, because that, you don't have to It'll think. be fine for you. Yeah, it'll be yeah. fine for you like, because you don't, no one will say anything to you because you're a Viscount. Yeah, but you don't have to, like, hang out with, like, fucking Cressida Cowper and fucking Lady Featherington uh-huh. and shit and have to deal with their, like, petty, ignorant asses. So, like, that's all well and good for you, man. Like. Which, speaking of uh, the Featheringtons, so this whole storyline comes to a very dramatic head. I was not really expecting this um, because so far in the show, we haven't really had too much death, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, George Crane, off-screen death. Yeah, exactly. Marina almost dying. But the morning after the ball, the Featheringtons get a house call from like the cops or whatever. And they're like, hey, um, your husband is dead. (laughs) like murdered by bookies or something mm-hmm. like that and lady featherington is like distraught and she goes up to her this is an interesting move because it's like she, she knew her husband so well that she went straight up to his office looked for the money and it wasn't there so they are back to square one with yeah. being totally dead broke and now the head of their household being dead yeah so let's back up a little mm-hmm. bit to like how we got to like record scratch oh right 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 <laughs> you're probably wondering how we right. got here 
Um, yeah, so, so you know, he does the, like, back deal with, with Will. He wins the match. He books with these two bookies who point out, like, you would not book with us if you could, if you mm. had favor with anybody else. Like, you are so right. um, maligned because of your excessive gambling that you can only book with us. So we already know right. that these guys are, like, shady shade, you know? Right, right, um, right. But he, he books with them and he wins. He takes the money home and, you know, takes it to his study. And then he goes ham. He goes to, you know, the brothel and he's like getting wasted. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's living it up, which is like, you know, for, for someone who like, started weeping like a little baby when he was confronted by his own wife about how he mm-hmm. has squandered his daughter's dowries. Right. For him to be all high and, high and mighty, we just know that this is like an Icarus moment, right? He's going to fall. Um, right, yeah. So then, you know, he's in the he's in the brothel. He's like wasted. He's been there for a while, you know, because time is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the match was the day before. Like, he's been there. Right. Then, like, one of the, like, um, sex workers, uh, Maybe she's a madam. I'm not sure. But like she's like, hey, we've got a very special worker for you waiting. A very special surprise. Mm-hmm. And um, so she takes him into a, a room and he, she's like, what? Right through here. And it's like, you just know. You just know he's about to Ugh. catch a fade. And boy, right. does he ever. So, you know, he goes yeah, into the room they, and there are those bookies. Yep, because they, they know that he fucking has all this money mm-hmm. and is just running around like like a dumb like a dumb mm-hmm. rich asshole mm-hmm. just like taking all of his money out with him like what did people do did people just get robbed all the time before credit cards like and just lose everything jesus like jesus take all your wealth that you earned and you just go and somewhere with it it's like don't you have like a tab or something I think it's it's particularly it's a particularly indicative of the like foolhardiness and, and you know hubris that Lord Featherington has. He's such like a weak weak man and I think you know I think when 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 he walked into that room and we knew he was about to catch that fade I thought about the scene between Marina and and Lady Featherington where she was just like how do you how do you do it like how do you fucking be with someone you don't love and she's just like or like who sucks so bad you know marina doesn't say that but like it's implied like how do you how do you Mm -hmm. be with someone that sucks so fucking bad and you know lady featherington is just like well you you learn to find small things that you love and you 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 love them because of your children um Mm -hmm. which is like very gracious i think on her part but yeah so this guy fucking sucks yeah and it's funny because like her whole reaction to him dying too like did show her like it did show like there was something between them at one point Mm -hmm. because she was so upset and devastated and i think the money part was like it could be read as like oh she's so cold like she immediately thought of the money but it's like it's that's just her personality Mm -hmm. i think but like i think that seeing the money was what really made it real like made his death real because it's like oh yeah he's gone because the money's gone right and i think that's like just kind of maybe doing too deep of a read of her character, but I don't think she was all icicles, you know. I don't. I don't think so at all. I I agree with you. Like I think you know, like she really did find things that she had to learn to love about him. I think it's also though, like you know, just like she said, like the love comes to like comes to fruition in her children like she has to provide for them and as a woman in that society she doesn't get to become head of the estate just because her husband died like some other man who's related to them is going to come take it over 
Right, right. You know, so like the fact that like there's no money means that there's even less of an opportunity for her to provide like any form of agency for her girls, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like everything she worked for in her whole life is just like crashing down around her. Mm-hmm. And it's like it takes a strong person to like fucking be able to like hold your head up high. Yeah. And like I think that's one of her strengths, too, as a character is like this is a woman who will like she keeps getting knocked down again and again and again, mm-hmm. but she keeps fucking popping back up. Her, so her story I'm, arc was really I, I interesting. Like oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, I, I like her a lot as a character, like just as a really good, like kind of villainy character, mm-hmm. but also kind of like not villainy. Yeah, I agree. I think her story arc um, as a like kind of like a heel. By the end, I like totally respected her. And I was just like, you got to do what you got to do, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's Lord Featherington. Um, rest that's in piss. That's what happened to the Featheringtons. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we kind of like moved to the big set piece with the, um, you know, the finale set piece, which is looks very different from uh, the previous balls, because, of course, the ball is like the major set piece in every episode. Something always happens at the fucking ball. Mm-hmm. And this time it's the Duke and Duchess's ball, which is like their first basically like stepping out as a real married couple mm-hmm. like oh we're we're grown up now like honeymoon's over we're grown ups mm-hmm. we're hosting balls and shit um and Daphne of, of course is running around with her mother fixing everything and there's like several sweet moments between Daphne and Simon during this ball where they look at each other and they're just like oh I love you but I can't show it yeah and it's just like oh my god you too I'm so over this like fucking resolve already resolve this this plot line major please. pining and yearning yeah. Feels very it's British. Like you're pining for your husband. Silly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, why are you doing this? This is very silly. But they're doing it. But they're doing it and they're softening and they're, you know what's going to happen. You know what's coming. <laughs> somebody so, get the netball. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> Prepare the netball, please. <laughs> Summon the royal netball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's like that fucking uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, Call the locksmith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, God, I feel like such a fucking uh, like Zoomer or not Zoomer. Um, what's our what's Millennial? the generation right before us? Millennial? Gen X. Oh, Gen X. I feel like such a Gen Xer making a Robin Hood Men in Tights joke. <laughs> uh, that was on TV the other day. Like I was I was staying with a friend and it was on TV at their house. And I was just like, whoa. I, I used to watch this a lot when I was a kid. And then I started watching it. And I was like, wow, this has not aged well at all. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, there's that's how I felt about watching Ace Ventura the other day. Oh. I was like, "Ooh, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Everything Ooh. about this second, this third act is bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, anywho, uh, back to what we're talking about. <laughs> this Duke and Duchess ball. So meanwhile, while uh, Daphne and Simon are making googly eyes at each other, Penelope is like still pining for Colin, but he's just doing like the I'm going to backpack through Europe thing to get over this girl. Taking a gap year. And is just like he's taking a gap year and he's just like, peace out. Uh, love you like a friend, Penelope. And she's just like, great. Awesome. Um, so poor bad. Penelope. God, oh. it's like everyone's been Penelope at some point I in their know. lives. Doesn't matter how hot you are or like whatever. You've been Penelope. And so like that was like just so hard to watch for me. Sucks so um, bad. Because it's like Penelope is like finally so like Marina's out of the picture. Like I can finally 
try to do this. I can shoot my shot, you know? And it was, right, and it was right. just like, nope, I'm going to I'm going to Greece or whatever. No, Greece? Is it Greece? Yeah, he's like, I'm going to Greece. And then he just rides off on his horse. Yeah. And it's like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> get out of here. Learn something about the world, yeah. you weirdo. Um, so he leaves. Penelope's sad like, all over again. We go through like a series of like pep talks with like Lady Danbury and Lady Bridgerton talking to their respective, you know, ex wards or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, you got to like, basically, they're kind of trying to orchestrate a reconciliation between Simon and Daphne. And Lady Danbury says something so poignant to Simon pride will cost you everything and leave you with nothing, which is like, mm. Mm. put that on a pillow because that's good. Um, <laughs> and throughout this, <laughs> throughout this like Daphne is like you know trying to cope and then it starts raining and then they have their obligatory like love scene in the rain she's like I you know I love you Simon I love you no matter what no matter how like broken you think you are and da 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 Mm -hmm. she's like I'm fine with it I'm good I love you and it's like that's the moment where they finally break through and Simon lets go of all of his dad all of shit with his dad Mm -hmm. and he finally comes in his wife He finally does it. Folks. Shooting rope as um, a blasting <laughs> rope as a way to combat generational trauma. I love it. Oh my god! Yeah, he's no longer thinking of his dad when he fucks. Good Men for him. Men will blast rope uh, instead of going to therapy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh my god! It's so it's so it's so melodramatic with the rain. It's like okay, um, you set up this beautiful ball scene, right? And then like as soon as they start dancing, shit like this shit happens. It's like. Come on now. Like, that's so fucked up. Um, Because this this ball scene, by the way. Yeah. This scene, by the way, was so fucking beautiful because, like, it was, like, all, like, light blues, Mm -hmm. light grays, like, smoky tones. And it just looked, like, visually very different from everything else we've seen kind of in the series so far. Yeah. I was, like, in love with the color palette for that scene. It was gorge. Me too. It was, like, very much, like, riffing on the Bridgerton colors, um, but, you mm-hmm. know, in a more mature way, I think. Um, you know, and, and yeah. the rest of the ball scenes have, have been really, like, saccharine and, like, candy colored, you know? This mm-hmm. was, like, very subdued. And, and you know, I, I thought it was – I also thought it was very beautiful. Yeah, it was it was a great way to like bookend the the series because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if we look back on that first ballroom scene, we can see like oh there was like decadent, opulent, but like in your face opulence. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like a little bit yeah more muted, more mature, and it is like a perfect kind of melding of Daphne's style and Simon's style. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, so so then we kind of cut to Eloise who has left the party mm-hmm. and she is. Basically, she finds out at the party that the queen is trying to catch Lady Whistledown and catch her in the act at the printers. So Eloise gets wind of this and she takes off and she goes to the printers um, to catch Lady Whistledown and be like, hey, like, get out of the way, girl. Like, it's a trap. Yeah. And so she 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 does prevent Lady Whistledown from being caught because Lady Whistledown drives away in her carriage as soon as the the queen's men roll up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut to inside the carriage and we find out <gasps> Penelope is Lady Whistledown. What? OMG. Yeah, I was I was not fucking expecting that at all. I was not ready. No, it was very good. I was like, God damn, like that whole like the whole season, I was like, who the fuck is it? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is mm-hmm. it? We mm-hmm. don't know. Um I and thought it, it was gonna be a yeah, new character. It was 
You know, I kind of had, I thought they were going to use that as an opportunity to introduce someone too, but I was like, oh, this is actually a really interesting, mm, mm-hmm. interesting because when I went back and watched the series the second time for the, for this podcast, that's when I noticed all the weird stuff about Penelope going on. Like anytime, anytime Eloise mentioned Lady Whistledown, like Penelope would ask like kind of like little probing questions. Yeah. Like, like what do you know? What her theories were. Yeah. Yeah, it was very subtly done. It was very, very well done. Here's the thing that threw me off of Penelope. When Eloise was talking about Lady Whistledown and, like, you know, living this life, and Penelope was like, you know what? Some of us have real fucking problems to deal with. Like, so bye. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that was the thing that threw me (laughs) off. Like, because, like, Mm -hmm. not that I ever suspected her, but, like, I was like, oh, it's definitely not Penelope, you know? Right. Because she's got real fucking problems. Yeah, like being in love with Colin. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, when Eloise talks to Benedict and he's like, oh, yeah, I was with my friend, the modiste Mm -hmm. last night. And she's like, oh, shit. Well, then it couldn't. Whistledown can't be Madame Delacroix because she was with you last night. And so Eloise is now aware that she still hasn't found Lady Whistledown. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is part of the conclusion, by the way. This all kind of happens in the same scene. Uh, Colin leaves for Greece. Bye. See you later. Daphne and Simon, it kind of skips ahead to their, like, happy ending. Mm -hmm. And they, like, skip ahead to Daphne giving birth to baby Duke. um, And then Simon being like, I want to hold him. And it's very cute and very sweet. And we're just like, yay. Okay, so they do resolve this. So this is not going to continue into season two. Like, they're good. They're parents now. That means all their problems are gone, right? Yeah. Parents, Um, (laughs) no problems at all. Yeah, it's like you got your baby. It's done now, right? Yeah. Everything's just kosher uh, from here on out. <laughs> no problems. <laughs> but yeah, so that's like the conclusion. So we, we end with, you know, Simon and Daphne looking at their little baby boy. Mm-hmm. And Eloise realizing like, da, 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 like whistle down. Who is she actually? And Penelope being like, it's me, bitch. It's me. Hair flip. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was so good. All right. Thoughts like damn, react. we're oh, we're done. Yeah. We're done with season one. It's so crazy. Oh my god! Finishing the season, like, what were your like favorite moments or takeaways or? So some basically anything that Lady Danbury does, because mm-hmm. that actor Ajoa Endo is clearly like she's having the most fun of everybody on that cast. Oh yeah, she's like there's no comparison. She's just killing it with her cane and her popped collars mm-hmm. and like her, and her top hats. Yeah. Very nice. Um, but as far as like actual moments in the show, I don't know. Let me circle back around. What what were some of yours? Um, let's see. I loved. Okay, so like I loved all of the uh, like ball introductions of Daphne's looks. Like I thought her mm. looks were really great. She they were very simple, but she always had really solid, consistent looks. I also really loved the use of signature colors. Mm-hmm. I was yes. thinking a lot about this, especially when Sienna was like, you know, rejecting Antony the final time. Like Sienna's colors are black and red. Like sh- th- mm-hmm. those are powerful colors and they clash with the entirety of, you know, the rest of the tons like high society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love the way color is used in that. Like, you know, Mal- Madame Delacroix always wears these like smoky grays and blues, like deep, deep blues, not like light mm-hmm. blues, like virginal fancy light blues. Mm-hmm. I just love I love that. So um, for me, like those were really great moments. And then I really liked Penelope as a character, you know, like just like her. She was so kind and so good. And the fact that she's mm-hmm. 
Lady Whistledown, like that juxtaposition between like Lady Whistledown being like gossip girl and like kind of shitty mm-hmm. and like Eloise being like so kind and so loving and so good for me like those th- that was pretty fucking amazing. What about you? Yeah, I I think as far as like as far as like moments go, I really loved like the scene uh the first time uh Daphne and Simon like really start hooking up mm. and then they get caught. Yeah. Like cuz it's just like basically like such a perfect synthesis of like horniness and shame happening at the same time and it's like the way that this show plays with your emotions is like so great because it'll give you what you want but it'll give it to you in a fucked up way mm-hmm. and then you'll ha- and then you get hooked because you're like well now I got to figure out how they unfuck this um and that to me is like the beauty of the show it's like it's like the perfect melodrama right is like oh we're going to let our characters like hook up but then they're going to like totally fucking pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Because of their hubris and shit. And um, so I really liked that dynamic that the writers brought into every single episode because there was always something that was really fraught with tension. And the way that tension was resolved was was very like impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciated that. As far as the like, costuming goes, I really like the anachronistic uh, fabric choices for all of the costuming because Famously, Bridgerton is not period accurate. Uh, they use right. a lot of materials and colors um, and textures that were not really, and shapes actually, that were not really popular for the time. So I really like the decision to make, like, you know, the Featheringtons have this, you know, really bombastic, super bright wardrobe mm-hmm. with like a lot of, uh, you know, really just like girly, opulent elements, but that were not really kind of appropriate for the time. Totally. And giving like Lady Danbury these like big top hats and stuff like that. And uh, in the last episode, she had this like diaphanous uh, purple overcoat thing. And it was like, are you like a lady in the future or something? Like that looked so fucking good. And I just really love that this show plays with so many different costuming concepts across like different generations and also like has contemporary stuff thrown in there too. Um, So yeah, like I'm, I'm just... I'm in love with this show altogether. I can't. I know. It's hard to pick a moment. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Are there any like cool kind of points of note or facts or or things that you want to flag? Because there's there's some stuff that I I was doing a little research and there's some stuff that I saw that I thought was really cool. But it's just like little factoids and stuff about the show. Yeah. Hit me. Hit me. Okay. So did you know it's time for a Bridgerton facts? Um, Did you know that? Lady Whistledown, the voiceover for Lady Whistledown was Julie Andrews. I actually just found out that out the other day. I was gonna talk to you. I was gonna like ah, tell you about it. Ah, yes. Ah, I know. Her. I was like, what? Get out of here. Yeah, I know. I was I was like, damn, that's like British royalty. That's my British royalty. Like Right? Like I should have yeah. recognized her voice from like the Princess Diaries or something, but I, I didn't I didn't. I didn't. Okay. A- uh, did here's here's my fun fact. Did you know that the actress that plays Penelope is thirty five? No fucking way. Yeah, she's thirty five years old. Girl, drop the skincare routine, cause like wowie wee wow. And she has like porcelain skin, so it's like, how do you keep? I know. Like you must wear so much sunscreen or something, I know. cause like wild. Yeah, I all know. the act and and the actress that plays Eloise is like thirty three. Damn, rude, rude. Right. This is so right. rude. What else? Do I have any other facts? Um, I haven't seen the second season, but I heard that um, Reggie Jean Page isn't coming back. 
Is he in it? No, he's not coming back. Daphne does show up every, like, in a much, much, much smaller role, but it's really more of, like, a kind of, like, her mother's role now. Like, Got it. In, in a sense. Because uh, her life is, like, you know, Elsewhere. settled. But, yeah, the actor for Simon, it's basically because the books, they, every book focuses on a different Bridgerton. Okay. So this was, like, Daphne's thing. Mm-hmm. So now that Daphne's not the main focus, there's no real reason to have Simon like kind of kick in the bucket or whatever, just kicking around. Not kicking the bucket. Um, just kicking the can, <laughs> kicking the can down the street, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he was gonna like move on to other projects as well. Um, but I hope he makes an appearance because I want to see him like as just a normal happy dude and not mm-hmm. just like tortured, you know? Totally, totally. Let's see uh, uh, the Duke of Hastings as the daddy of Hastings. Ooh, Daddy Hastings. Yes, uh, Daddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's Bridgerton. That's Bridgerton. And oh. that is, it's so sad. But we're going to, you know, we should come back and do like just a season two roundup. Like after we both watch the whole thing, I think that would yeah. be really fun. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to dig in ASAP because uh, I, I didn't even know it was out already. So, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to dig in. Um, shall we do a final Hot girl recap. We are. Okay, let's do it. Okay. All right. Yessie, what was your hot girl shit for this week? Yeah. So my hot girl shit for this week is I was fortunate enough to have some time to go support um, the Star Garden dancer. So Star Garden is a strip club in North Hollywood. um, And the dancers um, of Star Garden have gone on strike. And they're striking for safer working conditions um, because it has not been safe for them in the club. um, And they're feeling very unsupported. They've been striking for about two weeks. um, And uh, I was able to go to the the picket line on Friday. Um, I was there from 10 to 1.30 in the morning. Um, and, uh, it, it was a great experience. Um, the, uh, the dancers are doing some really amazing stuff on the picket line. Every, every picket night is a theme. So when I was there, it was, uh, nuns and priests. Everybody was looking very hot <laughs> and, and, uh, holy, hot and holy. Um, yeah, they need a lot of support. They have a strike fund. Um, like I said, they've been striking for two weeks. Two of their main organizers were fired. Um, oh no! Because of their their organizing, so um, you can donate to their um, to their strike fund if you follow their Instagram strippers stripper strike no ho, um, and uh, you can also get updates on like what what they're doing, what what's going on. Um, there has been some uh, really uh, shitty. Um, kind of uh, anti-organizing going on. Like some of the the shitty bouncers are calling the cops on them, um, Mm -hmm. uh, saying there's like noise complaints. Um, Some of, uh, you know, most of the patrons have been really supportive. Even some of the patrons have joined the the nightly pickets. Um, Yeah, I know, it's rad. But then some of them have been really shitty and grabbed the dancers. So they're looking for a lot of, um, a lot of people to come out to support the dancers and also like obviously funds for their strike funds. again it's we'll put it um i'll uh, Mm -hmm. put the instagram link in the in the episode description but it's a stripper strike no ho um n-o-h-o like north hollywood um so that is my hot girl shit for the week what about you hell yeah we love uh supporting sex worker unions um that's so exciting to hear that's really cool Mm -hmm. um i'll definitely be dropping some funds in that that, uh, strike fund 
yeah, my my hot girl shit for this week, and it's actually for this month because that's how long it's been since we've done our last episode. Damn. Um, and there's a reason for that. I'm I'm sorry we have uh, dropped off the face of the earth, but I kind of I got a job very quickly, a full time job very quickly, and within a couple of days I was like totally thrust into work. Um, so I got a job earlier this month as a set deck PA. That's so rad. Yeah, I work in the set decoration department for a brand new TV show that is in pre-production right now. I work Monday through Friday, uh, 12 hours a day sometimes. And it's, as you can imagine, does not leave a lot of room for podcasting, unfortunately. I'm barely like aware of what's going on on Twitter anymore. Isn't that oh crazy? I'm like barely online. It's nuts. Free. You're free. I'm, I'm free. <laughs> um, except that I'm a wage slave still, so that's fine. Um <laughs> Um, but yes, I'm so I'm I have this full time job and I'm still dancing like ev- once every two weeks or so just to kind of supplement my income. Because mm-hmm. if you work in film production, you know that PAs don't make shit. Uh, <laughs> so I still have to dance to kind of get my income to a right. normal level. Right. Um, but yeah, like so basically, um, if you don't know what a set deck PA does, Um, I basically assist the set decorator and the buyers in kind of whatever they need to populate a set. So if you're like looking at, yeah, if you're like looking at a set and you're like, wow, this uh, little girl's bedroom looks like just like a real little girl's bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of the times you won't know, you won't like super notice things like that, but that's because the set decorator is really good and you're completely thrown into the world that they have designed for you. And that's kind of like what I do is like I help research um, a lot of what my job is like o- like really random office work, but I do get to do research for some of our scenes. And that research includes like what we you know, what would we would find on certain sets um, if a character has XYZ personality like or is around, you know, if it's a bedroom from the 70s, what would you find in a kid's bedroom in the 70s? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, just random stuff like that. Dealing with a lot of really cool props and like things yeah. that we get and processing a shitload of like packages that come in. That's just all stuff that ends up on set. So, yeah, like my job is really fucking cool. And um, yeah, again, I'm sorry. It leaves like no time to do podcasting, which is why. This will be our final episode for until at least September, because that's when the show ends for me. Um, and I'll be yeah. done with that. It re- really sad, very bittersweet, because mm-hmm. I'm very happy with my job. But I'm also sad because this podcast has been a huge part of my life. Yeah. And it, it'll be it'll be sad to kind of put it aside for a while. And it'll be sad not to see Yessie every week. Yeah, Rara, I'll uh, miss you. I know, I'll miss you too. We'll have to just keep in touch on, on Twitter for the time being. But For sure. But if you guys want us back, we'll be back. We'll be back mm-hmm. in September. And we're going to talk about ways we can kind of keep stuff consistent and all the guests that we want and all the topics mm-hmm. that we want to cover mm-hmm. and all the cool, fun things that we want to do with this project. Because it's still very important to both of us. And right. we still believe in, like, the mission. Like, we still believe that people people's voices need to be heard. and uh, Especially ours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Especially, we, we the people need to know about Bridgerton. Yes, the people <laughs> must know. Um, but yeah, but we're gonna be. Um, I'll be going through all of our episodes and uploading uh, YouTube versions of it. Um, so that way, there's like yet another way you can make like a playlist and and mm-hmm. keep track of all the episodes. And um, we'll see if we we might 
like release all the bonus Bridgerton episodes on YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Um, Just so. And again, we love our supporters, but we want we want as many people as possible to hear these episodes because, yeah, we feel like it's a good worthwhile analysis and project to Mm -hmm. kind of always be examining media through an anti-capitalist lens and 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 a a femme lens. Definitely. But Yessie, I just want to say it's been a pleasure working with you and fooling around with you (laughs) (laughs) on on uh on this podcast every week. It's been super fun. Uh it's been such an honor to work with you, Rara. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love you and um I love all of our listeners. Um I, I can't wait for the day that we'll be able to um, come back, you know, um, let us know uh, what your favorite moments were uh, on our Instagram, Hot Girl Agenda, and our uh, Twitter, Hot Girl Agenda. Let us know uh, what your favorite uh, bits were, uh, episodes. We we want to hear from you because we love you all so much. Yes, we do. And thank you for being our patrons. And we're going to put all of your beautiful names at the end of our YouTube video so everyone can know how awesome our supporters are. Yeah. And yeah, until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>